0: Coming up on Off the Bench, we've got Michael Lee from Yahoo Sports joining us talking about the injury news to John Wall and the upcoming games for the Washington Wizards as they head towards the All-Star break. Off the Bench is up next. What's up, WizKids, and welcome to another edition of Off the Bench. Jamoke Davis here with Chris Gehring and Zach Rosen, and joining us now is Michael Lee from Yahoo Sports. We've been talking about John Wall. He's going to be out for several weeks. Uh, what was your initial thoughts uh, when you
1: heard that he was going to be out? It stinks. Um, you know, this was uh, but it also makes sense. Um, you know, I think John has been pushing himself probably more than he needed to this year. I think that um, – you know, this was supposed to be a big year for this franchise, a year to really build on uh, last season, going from one game to this conference finals and just to try to establish themselves as an elite team in a conference. And uh, I think John felt, you know, an immense amount of pressure this year just after getting that huge contract um, extension and just getting the assurance from the franchise that, you know, he was going to be the foundational piece for everything going forward. So I think that. He felt a personal responsibility to get out there on the floor, but ever since he banged knees uh, in that game in Dallas, you could kind of just see that um, he wasn't the same John. You know, he wound up missing time. Uh, The team did okay without Um, him—not great, but they were okay without him. And uh, he pushed through, made his fifth All-Star team, Um, but you you could just Um, tell—even though he put up the numbers—the fact that the team was just so inconsistent. Um, I think that it's probably best for John to take this time to get right, but it puts the team in a tough spot because like I said, there was so, so much hopes going, coming into this year, and now there's just so many questions.
2: Yeah, so I mean, to back it up really with the timeline, we went through it on the last podcast, the PRP injections, you go back even uh, a few summers ago with the double knee surgery. So there's a history here, knee injuries linger it's not a good thing. So he's getting, which will be, I think it's tomorrow in Cleveland, Wednesday, he's going to get the surgery on his left knee, and then we're going to know more. I mean, there's been reports out there. We don't really know the timetable. He's going to be out at least a month. I think that's pretty safe to say. So after that, he then needs to recover and rehab and get back on the court, which means physically he needs to get right. And then his basketball needs to, his acumen on the court, his, his skills need to come back too. So we're looking at a while here. I think the initial reaction is kind of what Michael said, is we, we ex- maybe expected this when we heard he hadn't been practicing, had been participating shoot-around on this road trip, which is never mm-hmm. a good sign. It doesn't matter who you are. To miss that many is a lot. Um, and then to hear that he wasn't going to play all of a sudden, uh, it just made you think, all right, this is right, we're at a point now where we need to reevaluate everything, clean it up. But I think in terms of timing, sure, the schedule is very tough coming up but you want him for the playoffs so <laughs> you, he needs to get it done maybe he he could have gotten it done in November December but he wanted to play through it which says a lot about him and you know where he thought he was and I think even a week ago he said his knee felt 100%. So it almost just came back. You never really know what can happen but as we've seen only this week these injuries just pop up out of nowhere from mm-hmm. a bad a bad placement of your foot. So yeah. Um, it's disappointing, but I think this team has shown that they can compete without him. But it's going to be a challenge for a long, for a long term.
3: Yeah, and and Michael, what have you kind of seen from the team without him? Obviously, they're around five hundred. The schedule in the first half of the year decidedly easier. I guess to to I mean, it's easier than it is coming up. There's a yeah. lot of playoff teams on the schedule coming up. But what about? specifically bradley beal obviously he will be pushed into the a bigger spotlight now what about him as a ball handler as he's developed as you've seen him grow up Mm -hmm. what about him as a ball handler as kind of a you don't necessarily want him to be purely a facilitator obviously he's the team's best scorer as well but how can he step into a role where he's going to have the ball a lot early in possessions and kind of be a little bit of a floor general along with an elite scorer for this team
1: Well, I mean, you you saw, like, the game in Portland um, when they just had that monster performance and then they went and, you know, did it in Phoenix. Um, You know, the problem is that they won't be facing a lot of teams like that. Um, I think for the Wizards, it can't really be about one guy. You know, it kind of is going to have to be like what they showed in Atlanta, you know, the other night with 40 assists. That's not going to happen very often. Uh, Probably not again this year. But ball movement. It's going to have to be everybody stepping up at some point because – you know, Brad's been usage rates higher than ever. He's taking on a burden that's bigger than he's ever faced. Teams are coming at him. He's part of the, uh, you know, advanced report now. Teams are preparing for him to shut him down. So he's getting looks that he's never seen before, and it's going to only get worse, um, you know, from here on out because he is their top option, and he's going to have a huge load um, put on his lap. But He can't think that way, and the Wizards can't put him in that position because there's no hero on this team. There's nobody that's going to rescue them while John's out. Um, They're going to need guys to step up, and, you know, that. like I said, that's been one of the probably disappointing parts of this entire season is that, you know, Otto hasn't been 100%. Markeith's sort of been slow to work himself back uh, from his injury at the start of the year, and it's sort of like this year just is sort of the, you know, Sort of a difficult year, considering last year where they they were very healthy. Everybody was, you know, feeling good. They were close to, very, very close to winning 50, 50 games. Um, but this this league is so fragile. You know, you know, at any moment things can change. Uh, any moment, somebody like I said can slip and fall in the wrong place. And um, but it's it's really up to you know Brad's gonna have to step up. But really, it's gonna have to be. Keefe, it's going to have to be Kelly, it's going to have to be Sadoransky, it's going to have to be uh, Gortat. You know, the interesting thing is just this happens a week in advance of the trade deadline where I'm sure it alters some of the things that the Wizards have to do. Um, You know, they're going to be a tax team this year for the first time. Um, I'm sure they're probably hoping to maybe subtract some of that um, weight, you know, going into the trade deadline. But now they may have to add to it because they're going to need something to help them sort of stay, remain competitive, um, you know, and stay in the playoff uh, push while John's out. So this, this, uh, this affects a whole lot of things. When you look
0: at the landscape of the East, what do you think this will affect that? You know, I feel like you look at a team like Detroit – or Milwaukee they haven't quite <laughs> lived up to their expectations
1: yeah
0: you think the the sharks are kind of circling they I think know so. what's happening
1: yeah I think if you're in Detroit you just pulled off a huge deal for Blake Griffin you're in a ninth spot um you feel like okay maybe maybe we can come for that spot if they slide all the way but it would take a, dr- a drastic slide I don't know if they're prep- they're going to be in that position but um but I, I think that you know Milwaukee's actually been playing really good basketball since so Jason Kidd was fired. Undefeated. Um, yeah. Season. And uh they're about to get Jabari Parker back. So that's a team that, you know, I think that is probably starting to click at the right time. You know, the one thing about January basketball is that it's always the biggest test, the biggest challenge throughout the season because you're right near the All-Star break. You've already passed the midway point of the season. You've already played a lot of games. Starting to feel a little tired, a little fatigue. You start looking at that All-Star break like it's coming, <laughs> and it's hard to stay focused. And then once you get back from that, it's just downhill from there. Um, so this uh, the this stretch that's coming up, the fact that it's coming right before the All-Star break, um, it may actually, you know, get the Wizards back, you know, get them focused because mm-hmm. they know they can't sleep now. They can't look forward to the All-Star break because every game really does matter now you know you look back at some of the games that they blew this year yeah you think about some of the games against at home the phoenix and dallas and um brooklyn losses and just so many losses to teams that they definitely should have been able to handle especially when you have a big lead this is where those games hurt um and that's why you can't really mess around i remember when i first started covering the wizard my first year um coach Eddie Jordan back then had came up with a phrase that sort of took on a whole life of its own Um, but he said that you know when you plan you know got a team got a a easier stretch of your schedule against bad teams he said you got to harvest your nuts (laughs) you know you got to be like a squirrel and harvest your nuts because you never know winter's winter's coming (laughs) and you got to be ready for when it comes And and it actually proved to be um, important for them that year because layoff, layoff Larry Hughes later on that season, 20 games to a, um, a hand injury, mm-hmm. um, but they didn't fall apart. They were still able to make it to the playoffs. I think they ended a eight-year playoff drought that year. But, you know, you got to harvest your nuts. And I think that, right, the Wizards, <laughs> they didn't harvest their nuts early in the year, and now they're in a position where um, – they have to make up some ground and it's gonna be a challenge when sixteen of the next twenty games are against teams with winning records.
3: Yeah, and it's interesting to point out too that that three of those I guess it's what three of those four games that aren't against playoff teams, they're before the break. Orlando, Chicago and the Knicks are mm-hmm. all before the all They're also probably break. the more dangerous games. Yeah, and they're <laughs> all on the road. Those are games that, you know, it's it's how all this is kind of colliding is going to be a real test. It's going to be a real test for this team. It's going to be a big test for Brad. It's going to be a big, a big test for Otto, who we've who we've seen go up and down. And you know, we had a better second half against Orlando, but or sorry, excuse me, um, in Atlanta. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But it seems like we've we've got to a lot of points early in the year where we've been like, okay, now's the time. Now's the time. <laughs> this is another one. Yeah. And it's and it's literally a week away. um yeah. Those three games. And then you've got a road, you got a road back to back with Indy and Philly, and two really hard home games against the top of the East. Um, the timing isn't great, but you know, you talk about you talk about getting games that you need to win. Um, those three is really, if you look at it now, right now, um, it's kind of the last chance for the rest of the year that you're not gonna that you're gonna face a team that's not that's that's not going to be going increasingly harder as the stretch run ramps up the rest of the teams that are going to play are all going to be in that in that run and mm-hmm. especially in the east where there's a lot of opportunity to make the playoffs this year um so
1: and, yeah and and honestly um you know piggybacking what you said earlier about you know john and being out at least a month and then needing time to get his rhythm back and getting his legs back under him the wizards can't approach this these this stretch of games thinking that john's going to come back and rescue them because yeah. there's just yeah. no guarantee uh, how his body's going to respond to this procedure and just how he's going to respond physically to this. So they have to go out there just thinking that this is our team and, and that there's not going to be a hero waiting in in a month or two months because if John comes back, that's great. That's fantastic. If they slide, you know, or to a six, seven, they'd be a real dangerous team if John came back. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can't think that way they can't think that oh we'll we'll be all right when John gets here because there's you just never know um with these kind of procedures you just you can't just make any assumptions and you gotta just hope for the best but really prepare for the worst and that's what it's interesting at the trade deadline it's do you add someone thinking John
2: isn't going to come back or won't be at full strength or do you add someone who can uh Assimilate with the current roster but also play with John or do you do nothing and stick with your guys? And it's, I mean, I wouldn't want to be in the front office for the Wizards right now. Yeah, I don't don't envy that decision. This is tough. And uh, my feeling is that they're going to ride it out. But if things don't look good, maybe in the next week before the deadline, you have to think about what your path is. But luckily, they're in the East where I think it's a little easier to make the playoffs. And like Michael just said, to be a six or seven seed, no one wants to play them in the first round if John's back. I don't yeah. think anyone would want to play them in the first round without John either. I think they're still like a dangerous team, uh, and that could have another piece. So uh it's interesting for sure.
3: Yeah, it's certainly a team that I think regardless will push the top of the East early in the playoffs and you look at teams like the Cavs, um, the Raptors aren't as aren't as old, but you know, teams like the Cavs, they don't they don't want a long series in round one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think the Wizards will will give a team that certainly with John, and I think I I would think without John. I mean, the way the Cavs play in the regular season, the way they play in the playoffs, we have seen is very different. Yeah, um, and that's the the, with the Raptors, and the same with the Raptors, <laughs> um, and the Wizards. Yeah, but the this is the, these next two weeks are going to be fascinating with the trade deadline moved up a little bit. We'll get all of these. We'll get some of this news early and. Like we said, the, the Detroit news was... It kind of came... I mean, it,
0: it was shocking to it, me. It, it yeah. Me too. Um,
2: especially yeah. the... What was it? Monday night at 6 p.m. Eastern time, basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Out of nowhere. A
0: couple bizarre. of friends texted me. I thought it was a joke. They were like, well, we'd like to see this. they we were like, oh, Blake Griffin and the yeah. pizza. Like, wait, what? I got a, I got a text
1: to someone that said, said Blake. I was like, what? Like, what happened to Blake? They <laughs> are like, oh, no. <laughs> what happened to Blake? i like, yeah. oh, he got traded. What? Yeah. It was crazy. It um, but... You know, it just goes to show you that, you know, this game, this is a business, you know, uh, first and foremost, in, uh, and I've said this before, you know, when John signed his extension, you know, about the how loyalty works, you know, two ways, and, and uh, you know, just six, seven months ago, you know, they recruited, they brought back Blake Griffin, had this mm-hmm. huge recruitment pitch at Staples Center, they raised his jersey to the rafters, said that he would be a clipper for life, and, That's uh, cra- it's crazy. And life only didn't even last a year. Yeah. You know, life yeah. was over in a year. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, but the Clippers actually had a reason to make the move because once Blake got hurt again in November, they were sort of pushed in a place where they had to start thinking about moving in a different direction mm-hmm. because as great as he is, he's still an all-star player. He's still one of the best power forwards in the league, although people – kind of sleep on him because he gets hurt in the playoffs all the time but he also is not reliable when it comes he's not dependable when it comes to his health and he's had fluke injuries but when you've had a whole slew of fluke injuries yeah those just add up and then it's just like well we just can't trust you Mm -hmm. but even still just the fact that Detroit was in such a um kind of desperate situation they lost eight in a row um, they're slipping out of playoff contention. This was supposed to be a season when they really made that push. I understand the desperation, but I just, I just worry about making that kind of move um, for a guy who, you know, the Clippers gave up on within six months of giving him yeah. everything.
0: <laughs> After all of the tweets that were that I saw about like DeAndre's the last one there, even though that big crazy thing with yeah, they, they kidnapped him in the. Uh,
1: well, I don't think he would have been yeah. that happy in Dallas either. So. <laughs> <But>. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe Dallas gets him now since uh, yeah. it looks like they're gonna try to blow the whole thing up there. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's a tough decision for a franchise. And they they, they wrote it out for six years um, with Chris Paul. They made you know they never got past the second round. Um, but sometimes, like, when that first star leaves, you know, it might be time to just go ahead and say, let's just start all over. Mm-hmm. And I think they decided um, that, you know, we we don't need to commit this to Blake anymore. And they found a team that was willing to take him on because I, I was worried that with such a huge contract, mm-hmm. there would be no takers for him. So they were just going to have to find a way yeah. to build a team with Blake. But the fact that Stan Van Gundy was desperate enough, it sort of made it easy for the Clippers to hit their rebut reboot button on their franchise there's a danger in that though because it's easy to sell rebuilds to fans it's easy to sell oh we're gonna have cap space and we can make a run of LeBron how many teams have said we're gonna make a run of LeBron (laughs) everybody makes a run of LeBron (laughs) and only two teams have had him right (laughs) so um and it sounds good and it's good something to get fans excited but I've also seen situations where you know teams you know have all this cap space and they don't get anybody mm-hmm. and they wind up being in a long uh, drawn-out rebuild process you know um, you can go back to Chicago after Jordan left you wow. know they had all that yeah. cap space in 2000 and then the, nobody came yeah. and they wound up going another four years without having five years without having a, a team that was worth anything so um, it's easy to sell to your fans that you're gonna start over But it's really tough to execute, Um, and it'll be interesting to see where the Clippers go from here. Detroit, I just—I don't know. I have a hard time. How many NBA players does Detroit have? That's what I think about.
2: Yeah. What do you mean? Like real, like rotational players? Oh, I mean they're starting Ish Smith and Reggie Bullock right now. Yeah. Due to injuries, I I mean they've had their own injuries. I think they're rotation players, but to be starting, and then you have John Moore. They have no wing depth, but, you know, I I like the move because it gave Detroit an identity, a brand again, and I think their stand just needed – he needed something like that to be like, look, we have Blake Griffin come to our games.
1: Yeah, yeah look, but in today's NBA, yeah. two bigs – I mean, one of the reasons why the Clippers ceiling wasn't that high is because it was a mm-hmm. Blake DeAndre-led team, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, Andre Drummond demands more touches than DeAndre Jordan. He demands the ball more. Yeah. He uh he wants to be using utilizing low post. DeAndre was fine. He'd be content getting twenty boards sure. and, and five shots as long as you know he made all five and they were dunks and he was cool. Um. It's almost like now they're going
0: back to the experiment where they tried Drummond and uh, Greg Monroe. Yeah, again, well, except Maybe? Blake is a Blake little Blake. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Monroe, <Yeah>. but, <laughs> well, two, but, three, two but two, but two big guys, that that's I think that they thought Blake
1: <laughs> Blake is better. But I, I understand what you're saying because yeah. that didn't work either. And uh, but Blake Blake is a little more skilled. <laughs> and he can, can play point. He's forward. a little more mobile. <laughs> yeah. He can, yeah. can he can shoot, shoot three. Three. <laughs> the three. Yeah, the, 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 but but I understand what you're saying because you know. The reason why New Orleans they had the two big thing going mm-hmm. with Boogie and, uh, and AD Anthony Davis, but the reason why that worked is because uh, Demarcus Cousins can step out and yeah. shoot the three, yeah. and they don't yeah. necessarily step they don't necessarily step on each other. Um, but they also had Drew Holiday as their point guard um, mm-hmm. as a guy who can you know take some of the pressure or actually when those guys get double he can actually make defenses pay. So um, yeah. the Pistons don't have that third option that you can say, uh, okay, you take take these two guys out, now it's on somebody else to hit shots, and they just don't have a lot of shot makers.
2: Mm -hmm. They've got moves to make still, I think. And then I think for the Clippers, to them it just comes down to hitting on their picks. I mean... So now they've collected a few. Yeah, I think they still have one from a Jared Dudley trade from with Milwaukee or something. Yeah. It went the other, or they lost that pick or something like that. But the Clippers... Well, they, they have potentially have pick. two lottery picks if yeah. the Pistons
1: um, don't miss out and they and they stay out. So they could wind up with two lottery picks in a pretty stacked draft. They'd be lower lottery picks, but, mm-hmm. you know... Um, or they, can, they still could something couple to start them with. to move up if they get yeah. two yeah. Mm-hmm. and get one of these studs I mean, in the top five. The one thing that would make it Make me have a little more confidence in where the Clippers are going as opposed to the Pistons is that the Clippers have Jerry West calling the shots. <laughs> yeah, and Jerry yeah. West. Jerry West track record is pretty solid. Yeah, <laughs> I, <I'm laughs> bad, I would say so. <laughs> do you expect any other moves before the course, trade deadline? Of course. I think. I think uh, the fact that a player of Blake's magnitude got moved a week before the deadline, I think you're gonna see a lot of teams um, looking to do things, uh, and it's wide open. This year's wide open. Once you get past Golden State, and you mm-hmm. know, I think a lot of people may maybe conceding that they're going to repeat as champions but there's still opportunities for other teams to like to to make it to the playoffs to get a higher seed um you know which would be big like Minnesota looks like they're going to break a 13 year playoff run but yeah. you know the place that you don't want to be is you don't want to necessarily be the four or the five seed in the West because (laughs) you you know what's happening in the second round, you know. (laughs) Um, You know, if you get a a chance and you get Houston in the second round, Houston's good, Houston has a chance, you know, you feel like you may have a better chance of maybe getting to the conference finals and things like that. So I think that a lot of teams are, it's about positioning and, and trying to make moves and you know, you'll, you'll hear names like, you know, Derek Favors being thrown out there. I think mm-hmm. he's a piece that I'd be surprised if he's still at Utah um, once everything's said and done because he he's not long for them. They don't necessarily need him um, going forward beyond mm-hmm. this year. If he got a chance to go somewhere and, and play for something, yeah. I think it'd be good for him. Um, obviously, Nikola Miritich with the Bulls, mm-hmm. um, he's already made it clear that he wants out in the Bulls. I think want to make sure that they take care of his request because they're moving in a different direction. And they have Bobby rebuild. Portis. <laughs> <laughs> and they have Bobby Portis, who <laughs> they, they they consider a part of their their core. You know, Nico is not. So, um, but yeah, so I, I think there'll be there'll be some moves. I don't I don't think there'll be a player of the caliber of Blake moving. Mm-hmm. But you I think, I, yeah. but you never know. I didn't think Blake yeah. was getting moved either. Yeah. yeah.
0: Back back to the Wizards. I remember when Gordon Hayward went down for Boston. And they didn't really develop an identity, which is different from the Wizards. But I'm sure people thought, oh, boy, what are they going to do? And maybe Kyrie Irving said, hey, put this team back on my back more. Do you see it being a better scenario where Beale becomes more like a Harden versus making it more like a <laughs> a team per se? Wow, man. I love your optimism and positivity. That was Dang. I mean, I feel like Houston, really, a lot of it is everything flows through yeah. Harden. And I wonder if more will have to flow through Beal versus making it more of a thing where he's more of a facilitator.
1: I, I, I think that if the Wizards want to have success, they don't want to put more on Beal, like I okay. said earlier. Um, but I, I think that, you know, using, you know, the, the John, John is such a, an important piece to the Wizards, not just from what he gives them on the floor, but like his spirit. His energy, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's on par with just about anybody mm-hmm. yeah. in the league in terms of, like, what he means. When he steps on the floor and he's focused and engaged, that's a different Wizards ball club. Mm-hmm. If he's not right, the team's not right. And that's that's whether he's not right physically or he's not right mentally. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there are many players in the league whose, whose energy level – is that contagious and, and really gets everybody going and really guys follow whatever he does. So losing him is such a huge part of who they are because they rely on him for so much and not just passes, you know, they rely on him to bring that fire. They rely on him after he gets to an and one to like just yell yeah. and, you know, flex and do all those things that just get everybody fired up. And, um we a need lot Kelly of, for that now yeah well yeah Kelly, <laughs> Kelly. Kelly's been stepping up <laughs> oh, he, doing he, that he he, he's definitely been giving them uh the the wave the, the a lot of a lot of that wave so um but I but I, I think that that that's why like it's there are different levels to losing certain players and I think losing John is is such a significant piece because he is a a major major leader for this squad and you know whether he's into it or not, the team responds to that. So not having him around, they're going to have to find somebody else to kind of play that role, but nobody else has that same personality, that same dynamic force within the locker room. And uh, that's why I think it's going to have to be a team thing. You know, they're going to have Mm -hmm. to need to rely on each other because there isn't that same energy source anymore.
0: Go ahead.
1: I was was just
3: going to say, yeah, like, you know, Atlanta is obviously record-wise they're the worst team in the league, but I think that game, Brad talked about it yesterday a little bit. That game's gonna have to be a, a, a blueprint of some sort, mm-hmm. um, just in in style and how the team you know plays together, and just that focus is just gonna have to be there. And um, it's hard to see, you know, it, it's hard to say, oh man, like you know, look how good we were against Atlantic, because I understand how how poorly they're playing this year, but. I think it's just going to have to be Zach said on our, on our last pod too. That's going to have to be the tape that they play every time that they need a reminder of what it needs to look yeah. like. And and where that takes them, we, we will, we are certainly about to find out. Um, but yeah.
0: Lastly, Mike, are you excited about the all-star game? The new format who got picked the snow? They got to pick another person. Now man, for John. man. You know,
1: yeah. you know, I feel, I feel like, uh, I feel like an old man, hater, teaser. <laughs> you know, when I, when I first heard about the uh, the changes, I was really excited. But then I realized <sighs> <laughs> the game has been the problem, not the teams. Mm. I haven't watched one all-star game of last year and been like, man, if only he was on that squad. I I watched the game like, man, if only these guys would compete. Now, I do like the fact that they put a lot more money in the pot, I that that, that's going to provide some incentive for maybe some more competition. But they should have done that. That should have been the one change they made, Mm -hmm. because the East-West thing, I guess, I sort of like that. I like that more than the Team LeBron, Team Steph thing, or whatever else is going to be going forward. And if you're you're not going to televise the draft, you know, that was sort of weird, too. Um, I sort of think that it's interesting that they that they changed it, but the game has been the problem, not the team. So unless the game is good, I don't care what they do with the team. Wow.
0: Okay. Okay. I
1: mean, because I mean, I, I don't. Know. I, my first All Star game was 2003. That's the first game I covered All Star game mm-hmm. in Atlanta, and that was Michael Jordan's last All Star game. And it's it a good was first one by and and I had the fortune I was cover I worked in Atlanta that year so I was covering uh, the Hawks and I was sitting on the floor, so yeah. I had a chance to witness, you know, Jordan, Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant, you know, some of the Vince Carter, just some of the best players of that that era, just at eye level, and I got to see the true separation of talent and like what made the great players truly great and why they stepped up. In those all-star moments And to see that It just changed my whole perspective on how I viewed the NBA Yeah, Like I saw some guys And said okay that guy's an all-star But that guy's a superstar And that guy's a hall of famer wow. And that's how That's what all-star games to me were supposed to be mm-hmm. It's where you separated Just the real From the realer Yeah, you know, yeah. And that's been missing From the last couple of years because So many guys don't care -hmm. And from that to see that, and now we're 15 years later, I just have a different mindset when I think about what the All Star game should be and what it's become. So I'd love to see much more intensity, much more competition. I don't see anybody get hurt, I don't want hard fouls or anything. But I do want guys to say, okay, I'm gonna have some pride. And I'm wanna let everybody know I'm the best guy on this floor and you're gonna recognize it. The last couple of years, the only guy who's even remotely tried to do that okay. is Russell West. I knew you I knew that's what you were yeah. But yeah. everybody else is like, Oh, let Russ have it, good.
0: He's I, gonna try to score I, a million I, points. This year. I was at I yeah, was back at whatever, LA whoever's
1: party last <laughs> night and it's cool. I just wanna give back and get back to the season. And um I just don't see that that level of passion and, and just enthusiasm with the game, so that that's why I'm a bit of a, a hardliner when it wow. comes to it. Okay. Stuff. Okay. It's all fair well, points. I think it's a fair take. Yeah. <laughs> I'm
0: sure Adam Silver's listening. He, he's he's yeah. a big yeah, fan yeah, of all to him And so let listening. him know. He's yeah. an avid listener. There was a time
1: <laughs> when guys came to these games ready to separate themselves from the pack. <laughs> well, thank you
0: very much, Michael Lee from Yahoo Sports, for joining us. We really appreciate it your time. And uh, for Chris Gehring and Zach Rosen, I'm Jamoke Davis. Ciao for now, whiz kids.